Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Electric Entertainment. This one is a unique episode here. We are coming into the final stages of our summer block party, and we've talked a lot about a special series of movies that we've always followed, and one that we just think a lot I mean when I think back on this trilogy of movies it's like I think it's my favorite I think it's my favorite trilogy I I think any one of them stands out as one of my favorite films so welcome back to Electric Entertainment I'm your host Chris with me in studio is co-host Ryan and today we're gonna do something that's unique Um, Back to the Future this is a trilogy that we just absolutely love and have loved our whole lives I I think we've got them. We've talked about this on the show. We've got thinking back all the way to when McDonald's sold VHS tapes. Uh, That's when we first got our first copy of Back to the Future. Was that a McDonald's for like $5.99 or $6.99, something like that? And we've collected as DVDs come have come out. We've collected Blu-rays and. even the recent 4K releases. So every time this comes out on a release, I'm quick to buy them because I, I love the movies, but also love all the additional commentaries, the all the extras that come along in these packages. And one thing that we're, we talked about doing as part of the block party for the summer series was to do a commentary on Back to the Future. And here we are. Here we are towards the end of the summer electric entertainment block party and we've got a couple things left in store this one being the big the big one so go ahead right now as as we're kind of opening the show here grab your copy of back to the future if that's a physical media release a digital stream or however you can get this movie back to the future the first installment in this trilogy ryan and i are going to do a little bit of a commentary just kind of a, a talk about what we think about this movie as we kind of watch it together here in studio so uh when you, we give you the countdown here in just a little bit uh Go ahead and, and hit play with us, and, and we'll just we'll just kind of talk as we watch this movie together. So, Ryan, glad to have you in person in the studio. How's it going? Oh, it's going really good, and I'm super excited to be here right now. Uh, I know we had talked about this for the last couple months, that we wanted to kind of go out with a bang, and uh, I couldn't think of any better way than doing a watch-along slash audio commentary on definitely one of our if not favorite film of all time in back to the future it's i mean you'll you'll hear us throughout the film but um there's just so much to say about the film all right so you want to just go ahead and get started and uh we'll kind of see where it goes from here i know if you've got your copy ready we'll give you the countdown uh three two one and then we'll hit play and then we'll just kind of talk about it and uh, we'll go from there, right? So one of the big things about being a physical media collector, the great thing is a lot of these movies come with commentary tracks that you get to hear from the directors, producers, and others as they talk about the films. It's kind of what this episode is. And just a commentary of uh, our experience with Back to the Future and things that we've learned as we've just kind of studied the film and and learned about the history of it so it's kind of what this is going to be so here we go let's get started ready oh yeah i definitely am yeah all right so listeners if you've got yours ready to ready to play we'll give the countdown three two one play all right 
So here we go. Back to the Future. What's your earliest memory of watching Back to the Future, Ryan? Well, right off the bat is obviously I love this, the classic Universal logo, right? With the old school block lettering, you know, you would see that in so many old films. And to see this, especially on Back to the Future, being a Universal Studios picture, um, I'm glad they went with that. Um, and then right here, uh, yeah. coming in, the the Back to the Future uh, iconic logo. So, uh, so it opens up, and here we are with all the clocks. And this was a, kind of a difficult... I don't know if, if uh, anyone else has listened to some of the commentaries, but kind of a difficult um, set piece here where they've got all of these clocks that are going off at the same time. Um, and you kind of start to wonder, I, I guess when I first saw this movie, I was like, what's what's the deal with all of these clocks and what's going on in this scene? Yeah, what I love about the, this opening scene is obviously the this huge long camera tracking shot it just pans over across. and here we are brown mansion yeah. destroyed right it's kind of painting the picture of, of yeah. history here but what's great about it showing all these different uh, variation of wall clocks i mean it's just a great setup for this film because this film is essentially about time yeah and not just traveling through time but not having enough time or having too much time and uh, i think it, yeah it's a, it really sets the tone really uh with this opening scene yeah um and as you can see uh what a lot of people might not know but we're in kind of one of the main characters is like garage uh the character i'm talking about is uh, uh dr emmett brown yeah who's the scientist who will later discover that the other main character marnie mcfly is really close friends with yeah so the tv show there the news that's on talking about plutonium kind of you don't really catch it like when you first yeah. watch this movie uh i think the lady i don't i don't know her name but was actually doing a favor uh for robert zemeckis um because of the movie used cars and and that's something we can talk about yeah at some point because scream Fa or shout factory is doing a, a recent release of 4k of of used cars, but some of those early films like that before we get to Back to the Future, because I know this was, um, I think we're pretty lucky to actually see this movie come into existence. I think it's a lot of a lot of things aligned with um, Bob Gale, uh, Bob Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis, um, and here we are, executive producer. Steven Spielberg with kind of a lot of things aligning to make this movie happen. Yeah, they, speaking of Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, uh, written by these two guys, yeah, they uh, kind of in the beginning... There's the plutonium. Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, they had, um, you know, started out uh, on a couple of small feature films, um, like you had mentioned with Used Cars, and then a film called 1941, um, and then... Their first feature was uh, a film called uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand that was kind of a story uh, centered around the one of the most popular music bands of all time, the Beatles. Yeah. And I think um, their writing styles, what kind of attracted Steven Spielberg, and uh, what was great with them kind of forging that relationship with Spielberg 
was they had brought yeah to him this uh idea this concept of um their take on time travel in back to the future and i think spielberg was a great kind of uh component in um bringing them to uh universal studios because like come we mentioned it really um it it kind of they shopped it around right yeah to various studios and they got turned down yeah so one thing that i want to talk about is branding and product placement in these movies because that was a huge thing and right here where we see yeah where we see marty pulling off the shades it was yeah it was a ray band Uh, so i I don't want to get too much into that yet yeah but that was like the first part of where We've seen some of the product placement, and I think they actually had a contract with them to yeah. put those shades in the movie. Yeah, those sunglasses, I mean, gosh, you think of the 80s, that decade, and that's probably one of the most iconic um, products that came out of the 80s. I mean, you yeah. see it everywhere in music videos, commercials, TV, film, um, everyday life. And, I, yeah, I really like uh, Marty McFly's... Um, uh, with this character in, um, he he really comes off cool, you know. Yeah. You, 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 I mean, for me personally, it makes you want to be him and um, uh, kind of go, kind of live his life, you know. And um, and then you kind of see his his wardrobe there, um, you know, kind of with this jean jacket. I mean, that was a huge thing too. Yeah. It's very eighties yeah. with with this movie for sure, and I I mean you you kind of see that from the start, and it 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 does, and and we'll talk about um, we'll talk about Marty and um, kind of the the so they had Michael J. Fox as, and here we are with uh, more branding and product placement, Burger King, <laughs> Toys R Us, but Marty McFly as as um, played by Michael J. Fox, was actually a lot of scenes reshot because a lot of this was shot early with a different actor even than, than when they uh, actually were able to finally get, you've seen Budweiser there, finally able to get uh, Michael J. Fox as Marty. And I, I, like we've talked about before, there's Mountain Dew hat. Yeah. Um, to- Toyota. I mean, there's just so much product placement, and I want to talk about that here in a little bit. But yeah. to get Michael J. Fox with him working on Family Ties, it was almost like an impossible task to be able to get him to pull away from the TV show to actually record and uh, be filmed for the movie here where he was putting in lots of hours. But, I mean, I just can't see this movie without michael j fox in it as marty oh yeah i mean he he is the he is this film i mean when you think back of that they could have possibly had went with uh another actor who we'll touch on here in a minute in eric stoltz but um he was the character and uh just his acting chops and um the chemistry um, I mean, yeah, had. like the time, the comedic timing, and all of that yeah. that he just did a great job with. I mean, it like you said, as you think back, as you watch this movie, think back to the timing that it was in in the eighties. It's like, yeah, he was a pretty cool guy. Yeah, and here we are uh, in school coming in late because of all the clocks being set back. 
with this experiment of time that, uh, and there we are with Huey Lewis, um, with Doc setting all the the clocks back. He's late, late to school, and here he is for auditions of the Battle of the Bands. And um, I I never knew this before, um, but that was Huey Lewis out kind of doing the judging there. And uh, Huey Lewis plays a big part in the music in the Back to the Future movies. And honestly, I don't see a better soundtrack for Back to the Future than what Huey Lewis and and, and his band brought to this movie. And this was just a funny part here. This was um, when I was looking back at some of the um, special features on the release, Huey Lewis, that was his idea to say that they were just too loud yeah. and couldn't couldn't carry on with the audition, so he had to cut them off short. That was pretty funny. But yeah, speaking of Huey Lewis, that was uh, in that scene a little bit ago with Marty uh, riding on a skateboard on the back of that truck, um, we're introduced to the theme song of the film, Power yeah. of Love, yeah. and that was just a great, I think, um, intro, um, especially for that song, because Huey Lewis... They'd approached him uh, before the recent, before the release of the film, and they'd want wanted him to write a couple uh, songs because at the time in the eighties, uh, Huey Lewis and the News they they were a pretty big band um, throughout that whole decade. Yeah, and for him to come up with not one but two big hits for the Back to the Future soundtrack that was uh, just really impressive. With, uh, yeah, Power of Love and the other song, uh, Back in Time. I always thought this truck was just the coolest, that this, Toyota yeah. pickup. <laughs> it was sharp, yeah, yeah. all black. Um, and as we see right now, uh, this scene, we are actually on yep. the Universal backlot. You see yep. the courthouse there in the background. So the, the cool thing about this, too, um, they were so, everything was so detailed with yeah. this movie. I mean, we'll see later on, um, and I'm sure everybody has seen this. If not, spoilers ahead, because yeah. we'll talk about things later on in the movie. But, I mean, even the scenes where they show the clock tower and um, eventually when lightning strikes it, it's just, you can you you have to watch this movie over and over again to just catch the little details that are in it. Um, just to see the square and how it's changed 1985 right now from when we go back in time to 1955 it's just amazing how detailed steven spielberg and zemeckis and gale all of them were with making sure that the the sets the props everything was just so particular um and talking about the branding the reason they used a lot of the branding was because a lot of times with the logos it it's in logos and branding that you see a lot of change. So you go from 1955 to 1985, you see this change in how things are advertised. So product placement played an important role to kind of show you that you were in different decades throughout the life of this movie. Or, uh, you know, speaking of that as well, with like the the evolution of like the business that they kind of highlighted in this film with Texaco, you know, how it was, um, you know, two guys running this like <laughs> auto shop in 1955 yeah. and then you see its evolution in 85 and then in the following sequels in 2015 where it's all automated yep. but real quick i wanted to mention before because we might not see her again a little interesting tidbit on the actress who played marty mcfly's girlfriend claudia wells she was actually 
recast in the following sequel in Back to the Future Part 2, um, which is interesting because yeah. as uh, like us viewers, we can see that it's a completely di- different actress in the sequel. But uh, I think they had some contract issues where... Uh, she got out of acting yeah. completely. Did she get out of... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, but she, um, you know, it was a small role, but she played, yeah, a, a little bit of a part uh, in, you know, the first few minutes of this film. But now, uh, we're coming in to probably uh, the two other big characters uh, oh, yeah. in Back to the Future with Marty McFly's father, George McFly. And his kind of arch rival slash nemesis, Biff Tannen. Yeah. Um, just a great, um, when I think about like bad guys and villains and films, man, like I think he's so underrated. Like he plays this tough guy, um, you know, you, you want to hate him so much, but then again, it's like, ah, he's kind of cool. But it, it so right now it's painting the picture of the family that Marty's kind of been raised up in, and you kind of think back like uh, so you're kind of, as you're watching this for the first time you're you're getting a picture of his family and the dynamics of his dad's work and kind of how his relationship with Biff is. And then his, his dad's kind of a pushover. He is. I mean, he's, yeah. yeah. So, so Biff Tannen being uh, <laughs> the bully, right. Yeah. And it, it kind of gives you the feel of that's the way he's always been. And the, yeah. they're kind of of the same age and Marty's just kind of frustrated with seeing this kind yeah. of go on and on and on. And, this be the experience he's he's i i i mean you as you watch it you can feel his frustration in seeing his dad being a pushover yeah yeah you he 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 takes like this stance on you know you know thinking to himself like what what are you doing dad like (laughs) you're bigger than this you're better than this you're smarter you know it's because you know, when Marty eventually does go back in time, he sees that nothing's changed. Like, yeah. his dad is still that same um, pushover kid doing Biff's homework for him back in high school. And then he sees all these 30 years later that yeah. where they work at that he's still doing Biff's, you know, reports at work. And, I, I yeah, I really think yeah. um, that's something that... Um, what was kind of great about that scenario with you know, Marty going back in time is, I, I think he felt he, he wanted to do something about it, maybe make a change. So, so you're seeing his drunk mom, uh, just threw the sheet cake down for his uncle Joey, who's, uh, locked up in jail. His, his brother there being the Burger King fast food worker and dad just kind of focused in on work, trying to, trying to get the work done that he needs to get done, in his own job, but then also for, uh, Biff, right? So it's painting this family dynamic, uh, that's going to play a huge part in the story that we're getting ready to just dive headfirst in. And like we've talked about on our episodes, this is like an adventure. You're on, you're on an, an adventure through 
time. And the beauty the beauty of this movie is all the way from the start when we were seeing the clocks and the plutonium and all that, it just sucked you right in to begin to wonder what's going on. What am I getting ready to take part in? And this is just building that family dynamic piece so that later on, as we see the changes and the impact that time travel has had on his family, this plays a a pivotal role in understanding them as younger individuals, his parents, that is, um, but also the impact of the subtle things that happens in the past when he goes back to 1955 that has a huge impact on the future. And I think they just do a beautiful job here setting that, setting the stage for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And one thing I wanted to mention, too, since we're here at this the, this dinner scene is um, just how fantastic that they, especially with Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson, the makeup. Like, because <laughs> yeah. what we'll eventually see when we do go back in time with Marty McFly to 1955 these are the two same act actors. This is the same actor yeah. and actress that we're seeing right now. Same with Biff, right? They, yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, makeup that they applied to age them 30 years has just... And even into the future, when we're not talking right. episodes two and three, but just even into the future on part two, to show him as an old man, Biff, that is, it's amazing. Because uh, Crispin Glover doesn't come back in part two, right? He, right. he only plays the part in... The character in does, yeah. But, the first one, but yeah, the yeah. character comes back, but they try to disguise him in such a way that it makes you kind of think of him as a character because he still plays a pivotal role, but we don't see him past this first part. Yeah, I think the studio, like, not only was it like a cost-cutting measure, but I think they felt like they wanted the same actors and actresses even though they're in aged makeup they wanted the they wanted that same performance that they would get as yeah they played their younger selves yep from 30 years here we are twin pines mall at 1 16 a.m bright and early in the morning there's einstein doc brown's dog einstein and 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 dr emmett brown in his 24 7 availability <laughs> yeah. truck there. Scientific services. Right. And this right here, the back opening in the back of this, this was truck, the coolest. this is probably the most, for me, the most iconic oh my scene, icon- iconic image for a film from the 80s is yep. the unveiling of the uh, time machine. The DeLorean. And there is so much to talk about with the DeLorean, yeah. yes. So this is, yeah, when, when I first seen this, it was like, holy cow, out of time, California, what in the world? Yeah, what it are just, we looking at? So, uh, a little this back- was this was the coolest. Yeah, but a little bit of background on the DeLorean. I mean, uh, created by this car manufacturer, John Z. DeLorean made the DeLorean for just three years, nineteen eighty one and nineteen eighty three, and it yep. was a big failure. Like he did that, it did not sell at all. No one bought this car because it was just. It wasn't very um, practical. You had these doors that opened like <laughs> like wings, gall yeah. wings, and who would ever want that? But it made for the most awesomest like. It made movie for a car. perfect perfect time machine. There yeah. we are, J.C. Penney's product placement again. Yeah, but look at the design of that. 
Yeah, the DeLorean, this, the stainless steel. Um, very cool. I don't think they could have used a better car during that time for a time travel machine. I mean, Bob Gale, and I'm glad he didn't, but remember, he had mentioned that they almost toyed with the idea of using a refrigerator, (laughs) of all things, for a time machine. Yeah. To see Marty and Doc jumping out of a refrigerator, (laughs) yeah, I don't think that plays the same well. No, that that wouldn't have worked very well. Maybe in the animated series that they did after this, it might have worked, but no. Not in not in the movie, but, and there was a lot of tiebacks to yeah. some of the original time travel type movies, and from from the color of the lights with yeah. the uh, display in the time travel machine to even um, the clock scene at the beginning of the movie, there is just a lot of subtle uh, hints at at previous movies that have been out there that that uh, Robert and Bob uh, both really enjoyed. But yeah, right here, it, this is our first introduction to the, yeah, Dr. Brown character played yeah. by Christopher Lloyd. Like 20, 20 minutes in, yeah, and you're I, just now seeing Dr. Emma yeah, Brown. But what I love like, about just not only his performance and his acting, but his look. I mean, he yeah. just looks like a crazed like <laughs> scientist. He looks like, he reminds me of like Albert Einstein. Yeah, and he's got, very fitting. But the crazy white hair and, and then the, the white, you know, lab coat that he's wearing. Um and, but what's great with this scene is like, um, you know, Marty, it, he just, you know, you can kind of tell like he has no idea what <laughs> Doc's doing. You know, he put his dog, Einstein, in the DeLorean yeah. and he's wanting to show Marty, you know, how this, how all this works. The crazy thing is like Marty and Doc, like they go into detail to try to paint the, uh, like, tell everything to to build this story up but not once do they say why is this teenage kid hanging out right. with this doctor exactly scientist Se- this in in town 17 year old kid yeah, yeah it makes no sense like yeah. what is the relationship there yeah, with like, the two of them like yeah and it's like yeah the audience don't know the dynamic but the they're uh, like on screen together right now like their performance oh, it's like yeah. It's like you can tell they've known each other for like ever. Yeah, like, and it doesn't even make you consider it or yeah. ask the question. Really, it's, it's like, like, oh yeah, these guys are. Yeah, these guys are they friends, buddies, or whatever. Great relationship. And I think at the start of the film, when he, when, when Marty hooked his uh, guitar up to the amp and uh, kind of plays uh, that little guitar and, and blows that speaker out i i think he may i think doc's just a cool guy yeah in town that he has has uh developed a relationship with and just thinks is is cool as well but it's weird that they never really you're right explain they, that they, they relationship. never they never introduce like a background like yeah. kind of story to their relationship but you do kind of get a sense and especially you kind of see it a little bit in the sequels to where the town kind of looks down on Doc Brown. They yeah. they kind of paint him as like kind of a lunatic or a weirdo or somebody that you shouldn't associate yourself with. And Marty yeah. is completely opposite of that because, you know, I think what attracted Marty to this Doc Brown character was like maybe, yeah, his, um, you know, crazy um, ideas and, you know, um, uh, approaches to science you know because i think marty is 
you know, like we'd seen in the Battle of the Bands, you know, he he is kind of this cool, laid back guy. Um, he's really into music, but yeah, he kind of has this little, uh, maybe a little bit of a nerd nerdy side to him, yeah. because we definitely see when he does go back, we see how much of a nerd his dad is <laughs> in George McFly. Yeah. So the crazy thing yeah. is, like with the car here, they like used. Uh, what dry ice to get all that ice yeah what was that like nitrogen oxide yeah so to get all this ice uh built up on the car which they said was very difficult to try to film because it just kept sliding off but eventually this is about the only scene that you see it come back in like time travel where it's completely frozen up the rest of it they kind of ended up phasing out just because it was so difficult to film and you never seen ice on the DeLorean again, but here we are. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, this is a funny part where he <laughs> talks about all the different dates and, uh, he can, he tells you different dates throughout the past, uh, where you can time travel to signing of the declaration, <laughs> right? Uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, was born yeah. in, in December 25th. Zero, zero, zero. Zero. <laughs> It was kind of a joke that yeah that was but funny. This, and then 1955, yeah. November 5th. But what's great about um, this exact scene is right here, you see all the great detail they went into the inside of this oh, yeah. time machine. Yeah. I mean, the prop department, the the effects uh, team. Like, because a lot of these parts, you know, they, pulled, they took from junkyards to slap all this <laughs> together to make it look like a legitimate time machine. Because, I mean... What we have from our recollection is and the flux capacitor. The only time machines, you know, from previous movies is like the only one that comes out, you know, in my head is H.G. Wells's time machine, where it was that classic, you know, oh, it was yeah. like a little half dome. It looked like half of a uh, carousel, like a <laughs> carnival ride. You know, he's sitting in there and it has yeah. like a little like pulley system. It, it was just a very generic looking time machine, and then we get like this just awesome. Uh, time machine in in the DeLorean, you know, um, because I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm so glad they went with this concept in the DeLorean. Yeah, it works very well. Oh, it does, it does work. But I'll tell you what, coming up is, because Doc's kind of explaining that it runs on, (laughs) of all things, plutonium. Like, it's fueled by plutonium, and this is something, you know, you just can't buy, and he tells Marty, you know, or Marty says, you can't just buy this, and, you know. Sucker's nuclear? Yeah. You can't buy it in a, a convenience store, you know. So Doc basically tells me he ripped off um, this like company that yeah the Libyans. <laughs> he made a fake bomb that way yeah. they uh, they would trade him some fuel that way he can get get to where he's going in in the past and then get back. But yeah, they uh, this was an interesting time too in the eighties because so Reagan was in office. This yeah. was this was pretty high i think of the economy and um well i mean even as it related to terrorism oh yeah and whatnot i i mean it it was fitting for the time i mean you would oh yeah probably find this with uh terrorists uh and their efforts to try to make make bombs but to see libyan (laughs) terrorists in the united states i don't think you (laughs) necessarily would have seen yeah but what's great here is uh you know doc's basically telling marty that he's actually gonna travel to the future yeah and as we'll find out here in a minute uh, that don't go according to plan yeah but it's a great setup 
to what's eventually going to happen um, because, you know, um, Doc's wanting to go um, essentially what happens in the sequel is 30 years into the future, yeah. 2015, which <laughs> we all know that their version of 2015 didn't really pan out like our a did. little bit. Yeah. Not completely. I'm still waiting on them flying cars, though. Yeah. And hoverboards that yeah. don't have wheels on them. <laughs> right. But this was this was so like a perfect setup oh, for is. the yeah. for the drama that's to, about to unfold in this movie. So Dr. Emmett Brown throws his uh, suitcase into the car, but realized that he didn't put enough fuel to get back to 1985 uh, for wherever he was planning to travel to. So there's Marty still filming on his JVC. VHS video recorder and the Libyan terrorists show up and realize that it was a fake bomb that Dr. Emmett Brown had uh, given them. So here they are firing a gun at Doc Brown and at Marty. And this was a pretty extreme scene. Um, here they are pulling up that are going to, they're going to be kind of face to face with Dr. Oh, yeah. Emmett Brown and, um, they let him have it yeah, right there, here. There's definitely a lot of action going on right here. And like you mentioned, it it this was a great setup. Uh, they to, said this scene was pretty extreme for the time, but it was needed to set up right. what was about to come with... Yeah, uh, because as we know, Marty had to somehow get back in time. Well, and the not, thing was, he was wanting to warn Dr. Brown that he was going to be shot this night. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that plays. An but we won't. We don't part. learn that till later, though. Later. Yeah. So yeah, as you watch yeah, yeah. this movie, you think he's yeah, done for. Exactly. He's dead, and here's there he is laying uh, behind his his van there with the Libyan terrorists in their VW van. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Marty jumping in the DeLorean, taking off. Yeah, what I love about because um, like this location was just great then and it's it's still in existence today i don't think it's called twin pines mall but this location is still in yeah. uh california and yep. you know i think it gets quite a bit of tourist every year oh i'm sure um but what's great in this i i love this car chase scene with the libyans in this you know volkswagen old school <laughs> van yeah. and you know marty's you know like Tr trying you know, to get to 88 miles an exactly. hour exactly but what's interesting about that is if you get a split second here, right here, you get yep. a shot of the speedometer. Well, in the actual DeLorean, it don't go up to 95, as you notice in, in the oh, shot really? there. It, in the speedometer, it shows yep. it going up to 95. Well, they actually had to make that because the actual DeLorean, um, it goes, uh, I think it quit I think it quit at like 85 because the DeLoreans, they put a real tiny, small French motor in them. Yeah. So they didn't go that fast. <laughs> so the prop department made a special speedometer yeah, okay. that they stuck there in the where, where Marty looks at it and says, you know, let's see if you, you know, idiots can do ninety. Yeah. <laughs> and there he goes. Oh, here we go. And this they got yeah, they got the missile launcher out on him, and he hits eighty-eight miles an hour. And just a great boom. visual. Look at this. There he goes. All the He's lightning gone. and the flashes, and boom, we're instantly. in back nineteen fifty-five. Yep, instantly. Such a great. Um, uh, approach to their version of what time travel looks like yeah. i love that this, idea. this scene is so good too when they crash into the barn and the kid like during 1950 50s it was like 
like those kinds of comic books. Oh and, yeah, science fiction was yeah, huge. science fiction was so such a huge thing, and to see him with the suit. Uh, with, like, inside light, the yeah. DeLorean with the lights flashing yeah. on it with it, Mr. Peabody there yeah and it look I mean when you look right here it looks like a space oh, yeah. spaceship from can out you of, I mean, yeah can yeah. you imagine if you were in 1955 <laughs> and this thing shows up in your you were barn like, what in the world yeah you would say it and came then he from gets out space. and then he gets out yeah tells from space this classic comic book yeah but you know what was great too um, with them doing that it was just yeah such a great visual to show that time travel you know happens instantaneous because you know oh, in, yeah. in life whether we're at work or whatever we're doing we a lot of the time we we want to get things done as quick as possible right we yep. want to get stuff yep. done so fast and if you've got all the time in the world at the tip of your fingers wouldn't you want to travel through time as fast as possible yeah so i just think they they nailed it perfect with him one second being in the parking lot of the mall, 1985, and boom, he crashes in a barn right in, in the, the middle of nowhere, 1955. So it was just a great way to show that. And then, here, yeah, here we go. So Marty, still in his, like, plutonium-like <laughs> uh, garb or outfit, yeah, is... He really don't know what's going on, but he's like, I'm getting shot at by this farmer and his <laughs> kids, so I gotta kind of get out of here. And this is a great scene nope. right here. Yep. Took out one pine tree. Yep. Twin and, pines. That's <laughs> it, well, we 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 know that that actually plays a role in the future because yeah. when you know we see later in the film when when we return to the mall that Marty actually changed the past a little bit because remember it changes to Lone Pine Mall. Oh yeah, that's because right. Because when he took out one of the trees <laughs> right. years later, yeah. So that's what's great too about this film is you so, kind of pick up on the little. Yeah, um, they did a great job at just having subtle, <laughs> yeah. like throughout the whole film, like these little subtle yeah. things that you pick up on. Actually, you don't pick up on it initially. Like you've got to watch this movie oh, over definitely. and over again. So here's Lion Estates oh, where he yes. lives, this and there's such a great nothing. shot. Yeah, out this, there right this now. This is his where he lived at home with his parents, the subdivision of Hillsdale. Yep. And you see, it hasn't even been built yet. They're they're planning on building yep. it. There it is, living the home of tomorrow. But you got to think if if you were in his shoes, what would be going through your head right now? You oh see this gosh. old car pulling up. Yep. And they're in outfits of the fifties. I mean, I, my mind would probably explode thinking that I traveled. You know. 30 years into the past, I'd be freaking out. And I think I would start freaking out when <laughs> nothing starts working. Yeah. And like, there's no fuel. There's, exactly. This car's not going. Because You're Mar stuck. Yeah, because Marty really hasn't even thought about, oh, that extra plutonium did not get put in the DeLorean. Because Doc, yep. before he got shot by them Libyans, he hadn't put that extra nope. plutonium in there. So Marty don't really know that yet. But all... Why his first instinct is, I gotta find Doc. Yeah, but that—that's what I love about the, these next couple scenes is basically oh. him, you know, Hill Valley, two <laughs> yeah. miles. So, yeah. So when he gets to the square, this is just <sighs> this is when you see the big difference oh, from yeah. what thirty years does traveling back to nineteen fifty-five, and it's just. It's a vast, amazing, oh yeah, amazing how things change over that period. As of time. we see, we see it's a Ronald Reagan film. Yep, that's playing in this old Who theater. Was, yeah, <laughs> who's not the president at this time, but an entertainer, right? Yeah, 
And speaking of him, he actually had said back when this film came out in the 80s that Ronald Reagan had said, because he was a big movie lover. He watched all kinds of movies. But he had mentioned like in a press conference that Back to the Future was one of his favorite movies of all time, and that's yeah. without them name-dropping him in the film. <laughs> so that's pretty cool to, yeah. to get a president's approval you that's know, cool. on your picture. But yeah, we see this. We see, you know, the song playing as an old Davy Crockett song. Like, I mean, it's such a it's so cool that Universal has this back lot. Oh, and yeah. how they can create such a look at that. very cool atmosphere. I mean, you yeah, could so you, when you look at that. That don't even that don't look like a back looks lot like of a it, studio. No, that looks, looks like, like a, a legit down. You know, a square on a little yeah. town. 1950 yeah. square. Look right? how amazing that courthouse looks. Brand new clock tower that works. Yep. It's working. And a big part, <laughs> a big um This is cool, too. Component. The Lions Club, yeah. the Kiwanas. I mean, that's what you see. In, in all these little towns. A lot of these, yeah, these little towns. They they definitely made that but just I, all, very authentic looking. But what you kind of see here, Marty's starting to get a sense of this yeah, crazy guy got, actually made made <laughs> built yeah. something that worked like this is actually ha- and this is i love this part he picks a, a guy newspaper. threw a newspaper down in the trash can and he reads the date on the newspaper and he can't believe it he's like you know he that's what he said right there you know it's got to be a dream yeah and look how he's dressed versus everyone else oh that, yeah yeah that it kind of gets made fun of about that <laughs> here soon too like he's uh what out on what's a, a life preserver that he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah What'd you jump ship? Yeah. yeah. Coffee, um, five cents. And I love this. This is such an old, like, just a classic 50s diner here. All right, so there he is sitting right, yeah. at, the, right at the bar. George McFly, his dad. And what we'll see here in a minute. He's trying to look up where uh, yeah. Doc Brown is, right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that would be my first instinct, you know. Um <laughs> Trying to find the guy to make sense of all this, you yeah. know, because no one else here is getting, they don't know him, they don't know who he is. Like, there's, you know, his only chance is to, yeah, trying to find Doc and convincing that, hey, <laughs> I'm from the future and this thing you made freaking work. So you gotta, you know, you gotta help me get back. But, but yeah, this is a great reveal of his dad yeah. here. Um, you see him without his, you know, age to make up and um, his dad about his same age, 17 years old. And, but yeah, this guy, you know, Mar- another thing too, with you want to talk about branding, you know, Marty here is asking, you know, he'd take a Pepsi or a tab and, you know, the guy's like, what are <laughs> you talking for? It. Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, oh, um, here we go. Yes, here here's a big confrontation with the uh, the young Just, version of Biff. Yeah, look at the and his at gang. What, look at what makeup can do. I mean, this is this is the actual ages of the actors when they were so, acting, and and look at <laughs> what they looked like when we just seen them. 15 minutes have, ago in the future. I have a big question. Have you ever noticed this? So that guy there right behind George in Biff's gang, the Asian guy, what's up with the glasses he's wearing? Because they almost look like 3D glasses, right? <laughs> Them white ones, they look like yeah, 3D glasses you'd get yeah. at a movie. <laughs> you know, they like they're yeah. so out of place. I don't I don't know why they're there, but Yeah. Um 
I always, yeah, it always made me laugh to see that guy back there wearing yeah, those. I, yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> they kind of look futuristic. The, yeah, I don't know if they had those in the 50s. But when we see him in part two, then he's got like some other types yeah. of glasses on. Yeah. Uh, from the future, too. So. Right. But yeah, those are 3D. You can see the blue and red lenses <laughs> yeah. on them. It just, I don't know, just for me, it felt kind of out of place because <laughs> we're, you know, back here in 55 and it's like, yeah. oh, why are those even there? But as we see here, George, um, you know, uh, with you know, he had that classic fifties hairstyle, oh, that yeah. haircut, you know, um, kind of <laughs> long on the top, but then short on the sides, greased, yeah, real greasy, yeah. Greasy. And, and what's funny, There's Mayor Goldie Wilson. <laughs> what's funny years later, like George in '85, still wore his hair like that, yeah, slick back, you know. And then when you watch him in part two, he's upside down, <laughs> coming in the house, and yeah. it's got that slick, yeah, slick, <laughs> and it's hanging because, it, like, in the future, yeah, he's like hanging upside yeah, down in one that's scene. Funny, his yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what we see here, Marty's starting to yeah notice that, you know, this guy that works in this diner is going to be the mayor in the 80s yeah. of of Hill Valley, you know, Mayor Goldie Wilson, yeah. But then the 1950s, yeah, that was a joke, really, to yeah. the guy that runs the shop there. He says, just start with sweeping the floor. Yeah, because he just, you know, looks at him as everyone did back then in the 50s. I mean, because you can definitely still yeah. see that segregation was oh, alive yeah. and strong, and especially in this time period, the mid-50s, and it yep. continued years decades later and but but yeah this was a great um this was a great way to kind of give us a little more background of um where the town was um as like we said with the uh courthouse and um changing all that location and scenery is like it's you know the 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 foundation is still there in uh parts of the town it's you know you can still see it, but everything's just completely changed and different. Yeah. And we see here um, his dad, young George, spying on Little his peeping Tom. Uh, well, spying on his soon-to-be wife, Marty's. Yeah. Uh, Marty don't know, but that's his mom up in so, that window. Yeah. So then his dad's supposed to hit him. Oh. Oh, and right here, the major but. first, second, maybe second instance where the past um, might be changing. Yep, supposed to hit George. Yes, Lorraine um, or Marty, Leah Thompson. Yeah, her dad hits Marty in, instead of hitting George. Yep, so this could have an impact on the future. Definitely a major impact that Marty not only realizes that I got to get back, but I got to kind of fix this because my mom's starting to have the hots for me, and we can't <laughs> have that because I ain't going to be born. So. But it, that was a great. The, so this, um, they kind of carried this yeah. through each one of them too. They this did. Scene this where, scene where Marty, yeah, yeah, uh, his mom's <laughs> actually, he's like thinks he's uh, still just had a dream, and he's yeah, yeah, back. That's this crazy dream where he went back in the past, and there yeah. she is saying, "No, you're getting good old 1955." Yeah, and he still can't believe 1955. It. Yeah, but you're right. They they. They kind of do this scene in the yeah. subsequent, you know, in part two and part three. Should have been George instead of Marty right there. Yeah. Yeah, we see that Lorraine, um, because that's how kind of uh, Marty's mom and dad met. Like, yeah, her dad was supposed to hit George, and yep. they fall in love, and 
go to the enchantment under the sea dance. <laughs> so and, one thing too, if you'll notice around her mirror, she's got like these pictures of all these yeah. guys around it. So she was definitely interested in boys. Yeah, that, that was for sure. Yeah, yeah. And Marty, um, he don't know it yet. Um, you know, because he would have never. He, he did. I. I, I think we you mean Calvin kinda, Klein. Well, no. What I'm getting at is earlier in that <laughs> dining room scene, yeah. his mom mentions that uh, they remember his sister says Grandpa hit him with the car. So Marty kind of knows mm-hmm. that um, his dad gets hit by her dad. Yeah. Um, but Marty, he's don't starting re- to put two and two together. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because this is going to have a major impact on his future. He ain't going to be born unless his parents, yeah, go to that dance and fall in love. And what was a kind of a great? Um, we'll see it here in a bit. Uh, well, I'll I'll bring it up when we get to it. So I thought it was funny this Calvin Klein. Yeah, the underwear. Yeah. Calvin, Marty, <laughs> Klein. Yeah, yeah Calvin I, Klein wasn't a thing. Back yeah, then. it didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a big thing in the eighties, though. Yeah, because Marty kept saying, "Why do you keep calling me Calvin?" <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so yeah, this whole next scene where they uh, kind of come down. It's supper time, and they roll out this yeah. TV that they just got yeah. that day. But this is like the typical, from the 50s, like the ty- oh, yeah. typical uh, American family weekday night. You yeah. know, dad's turning the TV on, mom's getting supper ready on the table. Yep. Um, this was how everyday life was. Hey, I know him off the Wonder Years. There you go, yeah. <laughs> um, Wayne, was it Wayne from yeah, Wonder yeah. Years? Yeah, he played. Uh, now here's uh, uncle, Kevin's brother. Yeah, here's uh, what's what's the uncle that's locked uncle up? Joey, in the Uncle Jailbird there, Joey. Yeah. yeah, he's he's locked up as a kid too. Yeah, Marty tells him he better get used to them <laughs> bars, kid. Yeah, yeah. So what what I love about this is the sitcom show that they're about to partake in is the classic from this time period is the Honeymooners with yeah. Jackie Gleason, which was playing. When he left yeah. the same night, or that morning, that morning, yeah. when he was around the table with his parents, it was playing yeah. as a rerun on the TV, yeah. if you noticed in the background. Yeah, so that was a great kind of... Um, but, uh, but right now, it's playing for the first time ever Live. on the TV. Right, yeah. So then, yeah, because Marty says, you know, he mentions, you know, his... Lorraine's younger brother there says, yeah, we just got a brand new TV set. And then Marty says, well, yeah, we, you know, we got two of them. And, then, you know, the kids <laughs> you like. You must be rich. <laughs> yeah, because back then, TVs just, yeah. these TV sets just came out oh, as a brand new. Oh, my gosh, and they were outrageous. Yeah, that was, this was a whole brand new concept. And then he says it's a rerun, and they're like, what's a rerun? Yeah, just like these little, like, <laughs> yeah. tendencies of what time travel does. It, yeah. You know, because um, you know, Marty's still trying to. <laughs> grasp the fact that he literally traveled 30 years into the past i mean yeah that would be something hard to that's crazy uh, not just like and he did accept. such a great job at like portraying what you would kind of expect to be thinking and right kind of seeing at the time I, I just think michael j fox did a phenomenal job acting this out in it's not Something necessarily that he had had to act before. He just yeah. did such a great job at portraying what would it look like if you traveled back in time. I mean, it's like everything is shocking. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, look, he's there sitting at the dining table with his 
future grandma and grandpa and, and his, his mom and his who mom. grabs his leg yeah and it's like you and, know it, yeah. It, yeah i i you know how would there you she goes react to that and <laughs> he's, he's like oh i gotta get out yeah, of here he's gotta leave <laughs> gotta get out of here. and and but here's a great little well it was a second ago where marty had asked her dad you know if he if he knew where john f kennedy drive was oh yeah yeah and then he he brings that great lineup you know he's like who the hell is john f kennedy because <laughs> yeah. at the time probably where they were living they probably had never heard because kennedy was probably just a young maybe a young oh, yeah. senator back yep. in massachusetts and we're During here 1955 yeah yeah we're out here in california so yeah they never would have heard of JFK. so um i wish i would have looked this up when i was out in l.a yeah. to go by and look at yeah, this because house because this is an actually ha- an actual still house still there to this standing. day yeah yeah but there's the garage yep. that uh doc brown lives in in the future because this house burns down right yeah when we see that in the opening scene where in that yep. newspaper hanging that yep. his mansion so he down. lives in that garage that's still standing that's now in like this downtown with the burger king next exactly to it. <laughs> but it shows the kind of character doc brown was you know yeah. he um oh there we go there he is in the past. He kind of liked the little things, and he didn't try to rebuild, you know? So, the crazy thing is, like, they had sold this house while they were shooting, and while it was getting ready to close, they had to rush to get these shots uh-huh. put in place, yep. because they didn't know if they could come I back and, and video during the shots of... Yeah, because um, it was like in the middle of foreclosure. Or well, not it was foreclosure, actually, it was these a- shots were different than the actual house that we've seen. Yeah. Because it's two different houses. The inside shots are a different house than uh, the well, other. So the inside, it's not a stage. No, it's okay. A, it's, it's an I think it's actually location. in the house. Yeah, yeah. But they were in process of selling this, so they had to rush to get these scenes uh, recorded before they sold because they didn't know if they'd be able to get in with the new owner. Owners. Yeah. But as you can see here, you see kind of the the wackiness and the craziness oh, yeah. of this Doc Brown character. You know, he's got this. Huge mechanism when he's wearing on his head and he's trying to read <laughs> Mike Marty Michael J. Marty McFly's thoughts with yeah. this machine. But Marty tells him right away, "Hey, I'm here in a time machine that you invented in 1985, or you know." And he traveled back and he said, "I need your help, you know, to get back to the year 1985." But he wasn't even thinking about that exactly until you can see the bandage on his yeah, head. He, he fell off. Uh, the that, toilet. I think this night. Yeah. Yeah. He fell off the toilet, and the flux capacitor is what he started to think about and create exactly. for time travel. He, but none of that has yet been mentioned until here in about two minutes. He's going to run to that garage that is his future home, and Marty pounds on the door and says, "You fell off the toilet, invented, and and yep. that's when you thought about the flux capacitor, capacitor which creates time travel, right?" And, Mar- and that's when he realizes, uh, yeah. "Oh, <laughs> yeah, it worked." And Doc shows him that, you know, that here we go picture of that his. Uh, he just thinks drawing. he's crazy right yeah. now because he's talking about. Uh, Ronald Reagan and saying he's president. Yeah. And then he's like, he's oh, like, you mean dude, the actor? <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, you know. So here he is saying, basically telling him what has just happened, and nobody would know that. Exactly. But right before that, yeah, Doc just thought he was as crazy as he, you know, as yeah. he was. Here he is. And and, and yeah. Marty still thinks it's still crazy. You can kind of see it in so his So right look. here. So right here. This yeah. is the so this is the back lot too. Yeah. Where they had um where he had pushed that DeLorean behind that sign back behind yeah. the sign. This is actually located on the back lot close to 
the psycho house. Really? Yeah. And I kind of can see that with a lot of this like wooded area. Um, yeah. Because probably not too far from this location was where they shot the Universal film, The Black Lagoon, as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was a big it's Universal so amazing, picture. Yeah. The back lot at Universal and how many movies have been made yeah. on that. So much history. And I mean, going back, what was, when was Psycho? So, uh, 1960, Psycho. But The Black Lagoon. Probably in the late 40s, early, I mean, early think 50s. Think of how much history yeah. is there with. All these great yeah. Universal movies that they've done um, on this back lot. And I think you, uh, Back to the Future stacks up yeah. right with well, all of them. And then television as well. Like I'd mentioned to you before we started doing this commentary, I'd mentioned uh, the show that I've been watching lately, uh, Rod Serling's classic from the early 70s, Night Gallery. Most of them episodes were shot on the Universal back lot because yep. it was a show um, uh uh, broadcast by NBC that Universal owned. This is pretty cool how yeah. they were able to get that uh, video cam camcorder hooked up to that old TV. Yeah, and I, show I was wondering about that. How, Doc you know, Brown in the future. They said it was pretty difficult to actually make it happen, but yeah. they wanted to get a realistic old time uh, TV like that, like the tube picture, to where it actually showed it black and white, to yeah. where it would actually, this is what you would see. If you were able to hook it up back then in 1955, but he's like floored. What is, what is this camera? Yeah, because him it, being him being a man of science, science, you know, all this right here that Marty's showing him, you know, um, what he recorded on this camcorder, <laughs> it just like blows Doc. Well, mind. it's him in yeah, the future. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, like. Yeah, somebody I'd like from, somebody from thirty thirty years from now coming back and showing yeah. you a video tape of you would blow then, your mind. Yeah, and then Marty's like, one point twenty one gigawatts. <laughs> what in the world? What's a gigawatt? <laughs> yeah, because Doc tells yeah. him, "Hey, Marty, if you don't got that kind of fuel, that plutonium." This was this was neat. Where he pulls this uh, yeah picture frame of Thomas Edison. That was what we seen early on in the first right. shots. Yeah. And, his garage house. Because Doc's like, you know, we need some sort of uh, electricity, like a bolt of lightning, to yeah. power this time, this DeLorean. And just, all this just ties together yeah, so, great, so well. It's like, they I, wrote, there, there we were just at the start of this movie with him and his yeah. girlfriend talking about saving the clock tower yeah. because it was struck by lightning. 30 <sighs> years ago. 30 years ago, there it is. Yeah, and, but it's just so great how... This was the date that Marty yeah. went back to, November 5th, 1955, <laughs> because when Doc, before he was going to leave and when he was explaining, sitting in the DeLorean and Marty, he told him this date was the date that he came to the revelation that fl the flux capacitor was what made time travel possible. Yeah. So it was just great that, you know, Marty <laughs> traveled to this exact date, the date that he needed. I mean, I really feel like this, um, what Gail and Zemeckis wrote, um, not only is just a phenomenal film but like i think it's just probably one of the greatest scripts like modern scripts ever written that has never ever been duplicated or like yeah i've never seen a film um with the setup like this the screenwriting the storytelling yeah for this is just amazing just to think through all the all the details that they had to go through to connect pieces to pieces yeah. and to paint this picture, it, it's just phenomenal how how detail oriented both those guys. And I think that's what Steven Spielberg seen with the screenwriting yeah. or uh, the script of this. It it's just 
phenomenal how they were able to weave this story in such a way that it just crosses yeah. decades, but yet it ties it all together yeah. and perfectly. With, with Spielberg being like a man of science fiction, sci-fi, you know, he came out years earlier with his classic Close Encounters, yeah. and I think, you know, yeah, he really this was he a, really wanted to produce this film. Yeah, this, this is, is great. pretty cool. Yeah, this was cool. Yeah, you want so, to tell them about it? Yeah, would they? Would it actually happen? No, but it, it was so cool how yeah. they kind of painted this, how this existence of his future self and his brother and sister was starting to disappear right. because of the impact that he's had in the past that's changing yeah, his future. Because his mom, Lorraine, has no feelings whatsoever to George. She probably don't even know who George McFly is it, because yeah. she would have known who he was had her dad hit him with the car instead of Marty. That's there right. There we go, yeah. Yeah, I've got a... He's got uh, an actual, yeah. The ultimate visual history of Back to the Future. It's got a little replica picture of him. Him and his siblings. And it kind of does the same that thing. Cool. They start to disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah, because of the impact of the past. And I would think that, you know, that that would happen if oh, you start to yeah. impact your past with uh, things that would change the future. And we're seeing it here firsthand. His, he's a cool guy that kind of goes back to the past. And what you're going to see yeah. is a lot of them falling for him. Yeah. And the kind of weird and gross thing about it is yeah. his mom's falling for yeah. him too. But yeah, what Doc, you see here when they go back to school, because Doc realizes, well, Marty, if you've had these interactions with your parents, you realize what, I mean, he basically tells Marty, yeah, he explains what's going to happen. You're, you're not, I mean, you're going to affect and change the course of the future. And you may never be born. You know, your parents have to meet. And that's what he's trying there to do is. here. This is great. The enchantment so this, under the yeah, sea. Yeah, this is a great kind of like, it's like on the top of their head, you know. Doc's <laughs> like, they got to go to some ritual thingamajig. And then Marty's like, I don't know what do kids do in the 50s. And, you know, Doc's like, uh, oh, ritual dance sort of thing. And then Marty realizes, well, that's it. You it's know, the he, enchantment under the yeah, sea dance. He looks like at the talk, school dance yeah. poster. As he said, that's where they meet for the first time, kiss and fall in love. So... That's kind of where we see kind of the story start to um, go in that direction of Marty trying to get his mom and dad to actually meet each other. Yeah, because his dad's uh, yeah. kind of the loner. It, now that now that he hasn't been hit by the car by her dad, now yeah. it becomes a difficult task because, yeah, he's, he's kind of the goofy guy that likes comic books and exactly. likes – like science fiction and isn't really into girls all yeah and lorraine much. like his mom is head over heels for her son marty yeah and um you know marty you know he's trying just you know all sorts of different ways to like make his dad cool in the eyes of lorraine yeah and i thought it was funny though the principal of the school same guy. Yeah. <laughs> never uh, really changed. Principal Strickland, right? Yeah. 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 He never that... changes. He looks I, the same 30 years ago. Did that guy ever have hair? Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. And what's great, to you, you kind of see that with Doc, too. Doc looks the same in 85. as I mean, his hair's shorter, you know, in 55. Yeah. But So there he is. Uh, his dad's writing stories, because that's what he likes to do, science yeah. fiction stories. sci-fi. And he's there talking to him about Lorraine, uh, trying to get him interested in her. He's just not interested, really. Yeah, he's, he's not. more interested in writing his stories, but yeah. no one can read them. Right, and 
as we see here too is you know he does have an affection for Lorraine. I mean, because obviously <laughs> a couple scenes ago we seen him, you know, well yeah, spying Peeping on her, Tom, yeah. exactly spying on her. But Marty, he has know, no confidence. Though. Yeah, and and Marty's like, well, <laughs> if you had no con- Marty's trying to figure out where where did I get all my confidence? Then you know. Because <laughs> we see it, Marty's like such a cool dude yeah. in the opening of the scene, you know, playing guitar, wearing them aviator Ray-Ban shades, you know. Um, so we do definitely see such a big difference in between between him and his dad. Um, yeah, Marty just being more um, assured, of, uh, assured of himself. So, um, but yeah, with... Because we'll see him here in a little bit, I think. Biff. Bit, yeah, Biff's coming yeah. up. And we kind of start to see this. And I just love it. I love Marty's um, rivalry. Yeah, there his, he is, Biff. His confrontations to... with Biff because they kind of revisit this in the two sequels. Their their confrontations, you know. Um, There's the 3D glasses. In, yeah, and, you know, we see them have a confrontation in 2015 and then back in 1885 this doesn't help either it just yeah adds more layers to it yeah and biff's you know thinking well who are you who's this guy you know i'm trying to put the mac moves on your future there he is yep strickland yeah his eyes on you had a little more hair there and he just looks straight out of the 50s look at that bow tie uh (laughs) and his sports coat i mean uh, I mean, he just looked. He played. He looked the part for uh, a 1955 high school principal. Yeah. And Biff, look at. I mean, um, he's got that same. Um, uh, that was a big hairstyle too. Biff's from the 50s with the. Oh yeah. It, it kind of. It was a flat top. That was a big, you know, Army Marine hairstyle yeah. that Biff wore. Yeah, and the settings that they just built with these, the old cars, the oh yeah, the retire, the houses, the, I mean, uh, it's just per. I mean, it just they did such a perfect job painting the atmosphere yeah, because of the nineteen fifties. The car, so that real nice, because we'll see it later. But Doc lets Marty borrow that oh, his, yeah, his yeah. old like cream looking colored car. Yep, and I'm trying to think what what was the name of that car company because it it has a location there on the courthouse you remember when marty we'll see it later when they're when we get to yeah, it yeah i can't remember when they do that night scene and we see like the the front of the car dealership so this is so this marty's is, is play, scene, yeah, yeah. playing on uh his science fiction writing he puts on the attire that he had playing van halen here um but it's definitely gonna try to wake him up in the middle of the night and speak to him yeah, and from a science fiction standpoint. Yeah, and trying to try to scare him into convincing him to ask Lorraine out on a date. Yeah, he basically tells him it's your future. It's your, you know, your, you you know, yeah. <laughs> he he tries to play on his likes. You know, like yeah. George loves the sci science fiction, and and he really takes this to heart, and we're going to see it. Like, look at this. Here's George, like, a complete mess, not yeah. even dressed, his shirt halfway tucked in, his hair's a, not even combed. He probably forgot to grease it. Yeah. He tells Marty, hey, got you know. grease from yesterday still in it. Yeah, he basically tells him, you know, this alien from planet Vulcan came down and said, if I don't ask Lorraine Funny out, he's going to... thing is, he can't open that Coke because it's a pop-top bottle, yeah, not a he, twist top. Yeah, and that's another great little... <laughs> 
foreshadow to the eighties, you know? Um, yeah. 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 He's telling him all about what happened last night. I, I, so this is where he wants to try to tell him what to write. I'm your density. Yeah. 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 Marty's like your destiny. You know, yeah, and Marty's like, you know, thinking, well, George, you're a writer. Like, you know, yeah. you you seriously can't come up with a couple lines. Just be you. Yeah. And yeah. and then look at this. So, you know, I love, you know, Marty finally, you know, Doc had convinced there him. There he that, is taking some notes. Yeah, Doc finally convinced Marty to actually look the part, you know, and being in the 50s. He finally got him some 50s wardrobe, yeah. and um, he looks like a kid from the 50s. But again, but, here we go. We're going to see another confrontation happen. Yeah, yeah, and we're here in, which is, this is a great uh, location that they've come back yeah. to time and time again, like this diner, because we see this diner in the sequels. It, yeah. In the future, and then kind of in the past a little bit. Um, but it's a great setting, as we can see. Is this the uh, is this the location of part three, too, when they went into the saloon? Yeah, because remember when they are on the back lot when they were they're in eighteen eighty five and it's actually the construction of that courthouse. Yeah, that's remember? right. So this and, this, this has would, to be where the saloon yeah, was. Yeah, this too. would be kind and of I've the saloon. Put, I've never yeah. put that together yeah. either. I bet it yeah, that's yeah. right. Because after because see what's crazy is uh when Zemeckis was shooting um, part two. Remember, part two, part three was shot back to back. Yeah, the Universal yeah. one, then to put a third one out four or five years later. So back to part one. This one came out in eighty five. Part two came 89. out in eighty nine, and part three was nineteen ninety. Yep. But what's interesting, Zemeckis didn't put a lot of time and effort in part three. He had a second unit shoot it, and Zemeckis spent all of his. He focused all his attention to part two. Okay, and and he has said that in interviews. He he wishes that Universal would have let him spread it out. Because he wanted to, folk, he wanted to put more attention to part three. Yeah. But because you, as you remember, in part two, the future twenty fifteen courthouse, um, after it was construction constructed, it I think they had to tear it down within like a month to really? get the part three. Yeah. But right there, so a classic, um, and we see it yeah. revisited in the sequels of Marty. You know, faking out Biff. And here's the big chase uh, skateboard scene. I don't even know what you would call these things. Yeah, we, I, and I, I would kind of think Marty kind of invented the skateboard here, don't yeah, you? I Maybe he so. birthed it. I think, well, I think um, I was going to mention it earlier, but I didn't. But the skateboards actually didn't become super popular until Back to the Future yeah, came out. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, but we've it, seen this, these scenes in multiple of yeah. these, every every one of them, um, yeah. from 1955 to 85 to the future, even on the hoverboards. This is a classic scene where you see oh, yeah. Marty and getting then, chased by Biff on some sort of board. Yeah, and then and then I'm sure because I can hear it. I'm sure you can hear it there in the background that Alan oh, Silvestri's yeah. amazing <laughs> score to Back yeah. to the Future, which it's we have just, mentioned in our uh, big. Um, yeah, they just don't make scores like that for movies yeah. anymore. Like this, just builds this the not just it don't just build the drama, but the emotion. Yeah, like you know, you see. Um, it, you know, everyone's just like falling head over heels for Marty. They're like, "Who's this guy? You know, where'd he come from?" And like, the his, 
you know, being this cool guy, you know, stealing that little kid's like, yeah, whatever. I don't uh, know what you would have called. Yeah, and this is a great <laughs> scene here too, where Marty yep. fakes them out and he they crash in. Biff crashes his uh -oh. real nice Ford right into this big yeah. old manure truck. <laughs> and this is again, uh. we see this revisited in multiple in the yep. sequels where Biff gets a lot of manure dumped on him. <laughs> Yeah, it stinks, according to Mayor Goldie. But Wilson. yeah, going back to part two and part three, I mean, there wasn't even really a plan to do part two and part three. No. But the success of this first one is what drove. Oh yeah, drove them to create the sequels that would follow. Well, we'll talk about yeah. that more too a little bit later. But it's just amazing that they had such a. I feel great sequels. I know the box office wouldn't necessarily say the same about part three part right. two i think had some success but yeah. it's just amazing the story that that they told with all three of these films and and obviously this one being the start of it but this was really going to kind of be a standalone and then when they seen the success it was like we got to do more of these oh yeah and you know coming out right in the middle of the 1980s and 1985 it um you know, after this film came out, I mean, it the the image imagery, the images of Back to the Future. I mean, it was everywhere. Yep. I mean, it. Um, Here we go. We're our, we're seeing uh, Doc trying to figure out how he can yeah. make something work to send him back. I, I like that shot where Marty came in on him and he was watching the video of him yeah. in the future. Just, I mean, you can. It's something any one of us would do. You would just be shocked that. There would be but this video yeah. of you in the future, and then what happens? I think that's where Marty kind of seen that he was realizing something bad was getting ready to happen. Yeah, but what's so great about how they know this is going to happen is, of all things, Marty kept that Save the Clock Tower flyer yeah. in his jean jacket that he just so happened to pull out of his pocket and show Doc, because, you know, without them knowing this thunderstorm's coming, that... You know, there's no way for them to generate that much juice yeah. or that much electricity. And look at this whole setup. He's, yeah, he's, he's like, oh, he's, <laughs> you know, Doc said, you know, don't mind, you know, it's, but, you know, Marty's like, Doc, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you spent all day working on this, yeah. you know, yeah. with a little wind-up car. So, um, here we go. Let's yeah. watch what happens. <laughs> this is kind of a funny scene. This is hilarious. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. I think this is already, you know, this is going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Doc is, um, he's, he's the, uh, lightning bolt here. The positives <laughs> and the negatives here on this. Uh, Here's what we can expect. Marty ready. Go. Set. <laughs> Releases it. Here and goes the wind up car. Lightning bolt. Lightning Boom. bolt. And Whoa. Catches on fire. Flies off the table and not only yeah. catches on fire, but sets <gasps> a trash can on fire with a bunch of freaking <laughs> yeah. cloth and dark with that glass. That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. And just look at, like, <laughs> look at, like, so even in 1955, look at his garage. I mean, yeah. he, he, you know, he's, you, you can tell he's not well kept. But well, so the garage in the future, though, they said they tried to gather as much stuff from the prop like <laughs> yeah. department of universal and, it up. and just yeah. fill it up because it was like he took everything from his house and oh, just yeah. stuffed it all in this garage too after it had burned yeah. 
But here we go. Here's Marty's mom. She's coming over, knocking on the door. Yep. Wanting, she followed him all the way back to the house here. <laughs> hiding the DeLorean. And, uh, and see, Marty thinks kind of that George kind of talked to her, right? Yeah. A little bit. And, you know, she kind of tells him, yeah, he's kind of cute and all, but <laughs> she really has eyes for, you know, him. Yeah. And that's not what he wants to hear. Um, but I think he realizes that, you know, um, cause you know, Lorraine here kind of <laughs> just flat out ask him to the dance. Do you think any, do you think there would be anybody else that could play doc in this movie? I've heard a lot uh, of like, uh, kind of back and forth. Like he's too over the top. I think he, I think he does a phenomenal job. I think he makes the scenes. Oh, I think so too. And actually, it's funny you brought that up. Um, so, did you do you want to hear a, a, a name that actually was tossed around by Universal? Who went so before they had cast Christopher Lloyd, who, in my opinion, yeah, plays the character in the part phenomenal. I don't see no one else playing it, um, just because of the chemistry he had with yeah. Michael J. Fox. But Universal actually was kind of wanting Richard Dreyfus. Really? Yeah, I, I've read that in a lot of interviews and articles. So what did they end up, did they approach him or did they approach well, at, Christopher well, I, Lloyd first? So as you know, Steven Spielberg uh, had a relationship with Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. And Close Encounters kind of basically what saved Columbia Pictures. Columbia Pictures was almost going to go bankrupt because of Close Encounters coming out, it made columbia a buttload of money and basically made spielberg a star overnight oh yeah so when he signed a big contract because he's St spielberg uh before he became a huge movie director he directed like two episodes of night gallery and that's where he got his uh, start okay through universal so what season uh season first season first season he did of an night episode, gallery yeah, okay he did a episode in season one and then he did one more episode in season two and that's what got his start yeah yeah interesting and then universal liked his you know, his approach and his style and whatever so well that Universal uh, signed a contract with him for like a three-pitcher deal. And then he did, um, I think Jaws was one of them. Okay. And then I can't remember the other two, but then in 77, he kind of went off and did a pitcher for Columbia, and that, and that's how he basically saved that company. He saved wow. Columbia Pictures huh. because they were on the verge of going bankrupt because they couldn't put out any good films. Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out, and Columbia blew up and wow. turned Richard Dreyfus into a huge star. Okay. So Universal actually had recommended to Spielberg because Spielberg pr was producing Back to the Future. They said, "Hey, Richard Dreyfus might be a great uh, cast for Doc Brown." So how did they land on Christopher Lloyd? Well, Christopher Lloyd had um, so Bob Gale. Uh, I think it was Bob Gale and probably Zemeckis too, because. As you know, Christopher Lloyd was a real big theater actor. Yeah. He'd been in so many things from plays, and he, he, he'd been in a couple feature films, too. Um, you know, he'd been in a few comedy films, as you know. Um, I think one was The Suburban, Suburban Commando with Hulk Hogan, yeah. the pro, pro wrestler Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah. And then Spiel, um, Christopher Lloyd was in this real funny comedy called The Dream Team with Michael Keaton okay. about these these wackos that they, they they broke out of like this um like they were like lunatics you know they broke out of this and, and they steal a bus and they they yeah. cruise downtown chicago or something but so he had a few roles but i think bob gell had seen him like in a um 
uh, a play, a real big play that he was in like the previous year, and he's like, "Man, you you need to read for this part." Yeah, and and actually, I think Christopher Lloyd like worked on the character before because okay. he auditioned for it. Because you know nowadays a lot of people that get hired they never audition hard yeah anymore. they just go they, after him well they get hired because of their name yeah you know? yeah so christopher lloyd came to him and uh he had this whole he he had the vision and this character like bob gale wanted kind of this older scientist but christopher lloyd worked on the the yeah. the, the approach to it you know well i don't yeah like i say i don't see anybody right. else being able to do such a job that that he did here which uh going back to the movie here marty's writing the note to yeah. uh, to the future to doc, doc. brown yeah about what's going to happen in 1985 and uh here we see him working on getting everything set up for the night that he's going to try to send him back to yeah. the future but um, but yeah, real quick on Richard Dreyfus, I, I think, I mean, I think he he would have been able to have done the character, but I think he would have had, I, probably too too much comedy. I think he would have really? brought too much. Yeah, because Richard Dreyfus, because I've seen him in some things, and you know, I think he's a, for the most part, a funny actor. But yeah. but yeah, when when was Taxi? That would have been okay. So. That was uh, mid to late seventies. So that would have been right before this too. Then yeah, a few, right? actually a few years because yeah, Taxi yeah. ran like five years from. How 70. long was he in Taxi? He was on. Uh, I don't think he was on the first season. Then I think he was on. He came the rest in a little later. Okay. Yeah, he was on. So yeah, he was on a few seasons. Oh, that taxi. was there. You go. That was a classic sitcom yeah, with Danny yeah. DeVito and. Um, um, Oh, there it had a lot of great there, actors. Yeah, there was a uh, lot. The guy that pulled us in, who's the boss? I can never remember his name. Tony, um, yeah. Tony Danza. There you go. Yeah. So this is uh, here we go. They're uh, yeah. Here we are. Marty he, brought his yeah, mom to he, the dance. He talked to uh, his dad, dad, daddy o, <laughs> about uh, kind of setting things up for the for the dance tonight, yeah. and he's gonna act like he's taking advantage of her there, which was kind of creepy but uh told him to come out to the car and when he sees it happening to really kind of set thing lay the law down and then here he sees his mom boozing it up yeah and he (laughs) kind of sees what are you doing yeah he kind of sees the side of his mom that (laughs) he never thought you know that he'd ever see or you know (laughs) i think he knew his mom drunk you could obviously tell she drunk in the future you know yeah yeah but not necessarily uh, at that young age. Yeah, yeah. One of, and this is so. This is a very smoking too. <laughs> yeah, this is a very pivotal, I think, scene and a very interesting scene because, as you know, um, that scene is um, shot for shot, but seen in a different view in the in part a part two. In part two. Yeah, because we get that amazing, like. I did a jump back into the first film yeah. in the sequel because which was very never... cool. So they used some of the shots yeah. that from the they, original from like B roll that they had with from the original Crispin Glover, but yeah, but and, they, but the close the there were some they had to shoot the back of his head. Yeah, which was a different actor was, because yeah, he wasn't like a double in on part two. But yeah, yeah they they kind of gave you a different vantage point in part two, which I thought was 
a very unique way yeah. of filmmaking, which you don't see a lot yeah. of. Actually, I don't know if you see any ever, except um, you'd only see it in a time travel film. Yeah, and there's there's but, not much of that other than like Happy Birthday, a couple of yeah, but new as horror you, movies. So as this scene is being played in the sequel part two. Marty's seeing this from the principal's office. The future Marty. Yeah. In a, le- in a leather jacket dressed yeah. up as Michael Jackson-ish. Trying to get an item that basically caused oh, all the issues in part two. But yeah. She, she knows something's wrong. Yeah. We see his mom leaning in and actually <laughs> kiss Marty, her son. And lean him back and knowing something's weird about that. Yeah. She basically tells him that, it's you like know. kissing her brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's, I mean, that's got to, yeah, she can kind of sense something's kind of going, something ain't right here, so. Yeah. And Marty's like, oh, I, I completely understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Biff. And here, here we is. go, yeah. Not the guy that Marty was expecting. Nope. So, he's like, get out of the car. Yeah. Because Biff is, you know, obviously remembering what had Marty done, you know, trashed his Ford with a big old dump truck of manure. Yeah. So they beat up on him quite a bit. Well, Biff stays in the car, but tells his boys there to... To kind of, well, yeah. Well, they shove him in the the, the band's trunk. Yeah. The band's car. Yeah. Yeah. The band playing at the the, uh, dance. Beat him up for a little bit, then throw him in the trunk. Yeah. But this, but this was just more of, uh, especially like scenes like this. This really dragged out the tension, you know, because you really, I mean, seeing the film for the first time, you really don't know what's going to happen at the end. No, you, know, you don't know if he's going to run out of time or if he's going to, if his parents are going to get back together. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a great tool to just. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of out. a lot of tension in a lot of this because. The other thing, too, is, what is it, the guitar player tries to open the trunk up to try to get him out with a screwdriver. Yeah, and, and he breaks Ends up his hurting hand. his hand. In, which, in essence, he can't play the song that his parents are yeah. supposed to dance to. So, more tension and yeah. drama being built, and here we go. More things that could change here the Here comes George. It, there, he thinks it's... Uh, Marty. Yeah. Marty in the car, and here he goes. He's walking up to... Uh, <laughs> basically do what they had planned out to do hey you keep your yeah hands off of her and, and it's <laughs> not marty biff yeah this was um but you know you kind of think you think about it throughout the whole film it's like is george ever gonna like man up and grow yeah. up and like but just think of watching confidence? this in the in the theaters and oh, you see yeah. this tension right here being built and built and built. Yeah. And it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. There's the bully, the bad guy. Yeah. David versus villain. Goliath. Yeah. yeah. And here we go. You know, well, he tries. Some, yeah, somebody has tries to. Tries to yeah, oh. Somebody has to fall here, there right? There we go. Someone has to win. Someone has to lose. Yeah. But, it, you know, what way is it going to go? And I guarantee and, you that this got probably the biggest reaction in, oh in any God, audience yeah. of I any bet, movie theater. I can, I can, I can just... Hear fans cheering in in the movie for that scene that's getting ready to happen right here. Because this, I mean, essentially, you see here, I hear, yeah, Lorraine telling Biff to quit it, get off him, you're going to break his arm, what are you doing? Biff sees, you know, or George sees it, you know, Biff hurt Lorraine, and then (laughs) he clenches up the fist. Here we go. Here it is. 
And on impact, just knocks Whoa. Biff. And look at that. <laughs> that was just perfect. Biff Woo! spins 360. And out. But cold. this moment here changes everything. Yep. Because so that's now, when she sees that yeah. he's a real man. Oh, yeah. It just totally... But this changed the future. Oh, yeah. More so than her dad hidden, hitting we'll him that. with the car. Yeah, because not only... It, it changed the future with her, but it changed the future with him. Yeah, because he too. became more confident. Well, yeah. Yeah, and we'll see it towards the end. We'll see where that confidence pays off and what yeah. it does to him. But, yeah, this was just... With that music coming in... Um, Perfect. The audience, oh, I, I, yeah, they probably ate it up. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, because it just completely changed the you whole. You know they were cheering. But then Marty, he still don't yeah. know what's going on yeah, because all pictures. his siblings are they're disappearing, and yep. Marty's starting to fade. Yep. And and speaking of that, coming up, there's a really cool scene. That yeah. It, it's going to be pretty neat to see. Yeah, um, so here's Doc looking yeah. at making sure everything's set up for the clock uh, tower strike by lightning. Um, Marty's kind of rushing around trying to make sure things are squared away. But like Ryan said, the picture is still showing that his siblings are disappearing still. So there's still all this drama yeah. that's unfolding. And Marty's realizing that, like he's realizing it, my parents must have to kiss to, yep. Yep. you know, make sure we have a future. <laughs> there he is playing the guitar <laughs> riff because the guitarist was, has a hurt hand from trying to get him out of, out of the trunk. And there's his mom and dad dancing, slow dancing yeah. on the dance and floor. And the scene when I was talking about is right here. It's just a great, uh, I don't know how they done it with the camera, but it was a great technique where, you know, they still haven't kissed, they're dancing, and Marty's yeah. like, you know, why aren't you guys kissing? But then Marty oh, starts. Oh, this, like, yeah, red-headed this, guy. Yeah, it. this, like, wannabe Pete and, uh, Pete, you know, like a Pete and Pete impersonator from the Nickelodeon show. That's what he got. Braces, red hair. Yeah. Red, yeah. <laughs> But Marty's like, he's start, he's starting to like not yeah. feel great, and the camera does this crazy technique where well, his hand starts to, to disappear. Yeah. yeah, he's starting to fade out of existence, which was kind of a cool. But then uh, George, he was being the wuss again, right? But somehow builds up some courage here in just a minute. Yeah. But yeah, Marty's about completely. Yeah, gone and here too. it is. This real cool camera. I don't know how they pulled yeah. this off, but he can like look through his hand. Yeah, his hand becomes transparent. Yeah, and I know back then that you know the effects weren't the greatest, but <laughs> still I think looks that, pretty. It good. still looks good, especially yeah. in this 4K. There he goes. He pushes him aside, and here we go. The this moment is when he lays yeah. on the old smacker. Yeah, the moment I think everyone's been waiting for. Yeah, you hear that. And all of a sudden, when in. this happens, you see the energy. Marty just shoots up. Yep. Marty, and then the picture that he has on his guitar. Yep. He's going to look over and see, oh, oh he's back. His sister, his brother. That's awesome. They did it. Yep. They're together at the Enchantment Under the Sea yep. dance. All of the futures working back for the good yep. of the McFly family. Yep. So Marty... Gets you know, but he's um, got to get going. Oh yeah, that's the thing. So he 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 solved this issue that he caused in the beginning. But they want him to play some more. Yeah, and he's uh, but he's his, pretty good on the guitar. He is. Come on. So, so the, this is the so Chuck Berry. Yeah. Um, there's a little controversy there is, about this too yeah. about Marty creating um, <laughs> the black. Rock and roll music right. that uh, 
others created, Chuck Berry in particular. This is 1955. 1955, and this is the era of rock and roll music being created by African Americans, but here's this white guy that's playing this song for all these white kids, and yeah, there's some controversy around this. Well, and I've read somewhere, too, that specifically this song, Johnny Be Good, yeah, um, they there was an article I read where, um, like Michael J. Fox, you know, wanted to play this song. Yeah. But had it come out this year or the year before, there was something. There was an article I'd read where, um, a remake of it. Well, Marty tells the audience, you know, you might not know this, but your kids are gonna love it. But I think Johnny Be Good did come out the year before 1955. Yeah. Like, I thought it maybe come out maybe 53, 54, so they would have known the song. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. I don't know. Yeah, but... That might be a good point. I think it was his choice he wanted to play this song. Yeah, but everyone's dancing and kind of getting into it, but you're yeah. here, here in a little bit, you're going to see him rocking out a little too much. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bringing a little bit uh, too much of the 80s into yeah. the 50s that those kids aren't ready for. But and, yeah, no, I don't. I yeah, I don't know when. Yeah, uh, I, I remember Johnny reading that came it, it came out like the year before. So everyone okay. always that everyone always said so like that they that, would have known this song then. But yeah, here he is. He's he's saying you got to listen to this guy because he's talking to Chuck Berry, his that's brother right. on the phone, and that's his brother Marvin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that was a great way for it them to cool. play with history. You yeah, know? it was cool. Especially, yeah, like our pop culture. You know, um, yeah. But he but, gets way too into it here yeah. in just a minute. But what's really cool about this, so Michael J. Fox practiced for months yeah, learning well, how to play guitar. So the guitar uh, teacher who, that, who, Lewis. that was uh, teaching him guitar lessons way back when he was back on the stage performing yeah. in front of Huey Lewis yeah. or the, the, the group there of, of the band tryouts was on bass. The guy that was teaching him guitar, too. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he spent forever because you know it's not a camera trick that's michael j fox like wailing on the guitar so (laughs) i mean he really took it to heart this character and um yeah you could tell but here's where it starts to break down yeah they're not ready for that in the 50s yeah but yeah let's let's real quick um i know we've kind of talked about a little bit in before but just your thoughts i mean you know like i said we've mentioned before that Universal had six weeks of filming done with Eric Stoltz playing yeah. the character of Marty McFly. Do you, I mean, do you think Back to the Future would have the legacy that it has if Eric Stoltz was was Marty McFly? Or would it have the success? No, I don't be think remembered? it No, I don't think it would. Um, I think it would still be a good movie. I just don't think you'd have the chemistry that... Yeah, the dynamic uh, wouldn't be there with Christopher that, Lloyd and yeah, Eric Stoltz. Yeah, Michael J. Falk. Fox and uh, Christopher Lloyd had they wouldn't and and I think that's why they chose to get Michael J. Fox oh, because yeah. that chemistry well, wasn't there but can you imagine being uh, being him and going through all of history knowing that they had to refilm scenes for Back to the Future because it just wasn't working out yeah well I don't know I know my Blu-ray release has some of those scenes does this 4K I've watched does, some yeah. of them yeah and, you, and it yeah, Eric Stoltz's performance really falls flat on yeah. some of these. They're not that great. No, Michael J. Fox definitely brought the charm. a he had a charm to a it. A dynamic to the role that made it believable. Yeah. 
I mean, he definitely, you could tell, I, when they did the casting for all of these characters, yeah. I think they just did a phenomenal job of getting the right characters for the right roles, and I think that's what's made this movie yeah. so successful. I think uh, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, they, did, they had a great, like, comedic timing as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I think they really did feed off each other. Yeah, they they definitely did a good job. And even to this day, I mean, you see them yeah. go on to some late night shows and stuff yeah. together, and it's still, they just have such great chemistry. And, and then another crazy thing, too, for Michael J. Fox to be able, you know, to put in this kind of performance while juggling the number one television show at the time That's on true. network television and Family Ties. I mean, he was working like 20 hours a day. Yeah. Traveling between studios. Yeah. Well, the scene that I mentioned in the house that they ended up having to record before it sold to yeah. the next uh, person that Do became Doc's the owner, yeah. they had to ask for permission to have a couple days just so they could do the filming of those scenes yeah. because they were afraid they weren't going to get them. And the uh, family ties, uh, they let them do the, I think it was two days if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but it was like they granted them permission to be able to record those knowing right. that they were at the risk of not yeah. being able to film them once that ownership transition because like what was crazy at this time when michael j fox was simultaneously filming back to the future and family ties like his schedule was he'd wake up yeah. and he'd have a driver pick him up and in, during the day he would go to the paramount studio film for family ties for about i think like 10 hours yeah and then he would get dropped off at and probably shower maybe eat something and then he'd have another driver Drive him over to Universal, wasn't there and he a would couple shoot times, all through the night. Wasn't there a couple times where he got confused yeah. on what set he was on? He would show up on Family Ties with his camcorder for <laughs> Marty McFly, and then Back to the Future, he would show Brief up with Alex, Alex P. Keaton's <laughs> briefcase, which is hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. But that just shows you like the kind of like the work ethic he had. Oh. He wanted to make it in Hollywood. This little kid from Canada, you that's know, crazy. He I mean, was he was very successful yeah, at a young age. And I mean, look at his like he's. I'm probably taller. He's probably like my height, five foot seven, five. Well, they eight. did some. They did some unique things with the camera shots between him yeah. and Christopher. Oh, Lloyd yeah, too. Christopher was like six yeah, foot something. to where it made them more of an equal. Like, yeah. like they would put him further out on yeah. the cameras, almost at shot. a four, yeah. foreground. So that way, it didn't look like there was yeah. such a big because difference. Because I think Christopher was like six three, six yeah, he's four. Pretty tall. He's pretty, he's yeah. pretty tall. But here we are. They're oh at yeah, we're the, at the climax. Yeah, we're at. We're here. This is. This is where it all happens. Are they going to be able to make it? And I've heard a lot of like uh, critique about this too. Like, how did they know exactly <laughs> when the lightning exactly. was going to strike at the exact millisecond exactly. that it was going to? Hit? But what's interesting too, you know, as we see, they uh -oh. run into and then the cord falls apart. Yeah, they run into all sorts of issues, right? Yeah. The cord falls off, so Doc has to somehow hook uh, that back up. Yeah, and then they're running out of time. Doc's like, "You got to get in the DeLorean, and you need to, you got to get down the street because yeah. it, Marty has to hit it at the right time." So Doc has this alarm clock of all things, old school <laughs> alarm clock that he says when it rings and goes off in the DeLorean, that's when you hit the gas. Yeah. But we know when when the alarm goes off here in a little bit, the DeLorean don't even freaking start. <laughs> So it's, it's like, crazy. I guess if they hadn't ran into all them issues, they wouldn't have hit yeah. the 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 lightning, you know. It definitely built suspense, though, I have oh, to say. It, did. it still yeah. does today when you watch oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, like, look oh at those. Like, especially being on the back lot to, to, to create all this lightning and this storm. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive for 1985 or 84 when it was shot. 
Yeah. Because look at that sky. I mean, I mean, it looks like you're in a real thunderstorm there. I yeah, mean, with the wind, it. those wind machines, like. They did a great job. And um, yeah. what you'll see with, like, the details of the clock tower, too, where he ends up stepping on to and, one of yeah. these sections and it, like, collapses. Yeah. yeah. It's still there in the future. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and this is where he's trying to tell him that he's going to be shot that night, but obviously he can't hear anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, because Marty's basically telling him, you know... You're going to be killed. You know, yeah. He's basically telling him what he wrote him in that letter. Yeah. Which plays a huge part in the end of this film, too, which is pretty cool. It is very cool. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love him. We'll we'll get to it. But So this is like, um, if you see... Yeah, Doc is just kind of like, um, you know, he's tr- obviously yeah trying to get Marty to get up to where he needs to be at the end of the row because Doc's got it marked off down there. But um, you know, you know, there he's he like, yeah, he's like, he knows they're pressed for time, and yeah, and with the not only this thunderstorm, but the 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 motion of that huge clock ticking, you know, it's like. I just love how they play with time like that because this is a time travel film. Yeah, and and I always always forget that like you know this clock tower is like the center of the film, and it should be because this is a movie about time. You know, yeah. and you never think like I, I most of the time I've always viewed this movie as like an action or adventure, but it's like you know it's more than that. It's 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 a movie about time and yeah. and whether sometimes we have enough time or sometimes we have too much time. You and know? the thing is like. In, in this time machine movie it's like they're always putting it like when he goes back he could have put any yeah. any time he wanted he could have put like, like two could, hours why yeah. why go only like yeah. oh 20 minutes like, will be enough, it's all, 15 minutes yeah it's like they've got this time machine but time is always a crunch it's yeah always, yeah i never got that it's like you're it, in a time machine, yeah, man. It, you can put whatever time. But right there in that scene, he just says, "I got all the time in the world. I have a time machine." But he only puts in a yeah. fifteen extra minutes. Come on, Marty. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you put in like an hour before yeah. or something. Get there extra early. Give you a, yeah, give you a lot of time. Yeah, and then, oh, and then it's dead. Yeah, which is uh, crazy. It's like how in the world did it just lose all power? You know, crazy. Because you would think Doc had, you know, had this DeLorean looked over, you know, like check yeah. the battery, you know, check to make sure everything was working. And then at the worst possible time, it freaking dies. Yeah, here we go. Uh, he's reaching for the plug-in. Yeah. That way he can get it hooked back up. But also what, um, like you were talking uh, about earlier, what, what helps this suspense too is that score. You hear that score back there yeah. with Alan Silvestri. I mean, it's just like at your throat. Yeah. You know, hit well, it's with constantly. This, you just yeah. don't see those kind of scores nowadays in, in movies. But it know. is what helps build suspense too. I mean... Not only the scenes and the visuals that's going on, but the music behind them. Yeah, and the score that they did for Back to the Future is just remarkable. Oh, yeah, because I think they, Universal had, oh, it was like an over, um, there was like a hundred, it was like one of the biggest orchestral, like, uh, units in that was ever recorded for a, a film. Yeah. For the for the soundtrack. Like they had so many different uh pieces in it. And um you know, 
it, and then here he is, yeah, like the this alarm that it's Doc puts off. in there, it's off. That means he needs to be on the gas. He needs to be yeah. going, and it's nothing, not moving. nothing. So he just freaking headbutts the steering wheel. Now and it goes. <laughs> somehow he gets power back, and he there can't believe go. it. He slams on the brakes, and here we go, full speed ahead, flying yep. down uh, through Hill Valley. But he's still not plugged up and connected I, yet. You know, I'd be interested in knowing, like, um. Like that street that he's driving on, Uh-oh. because you know the back lot's not that big. So I wonder if that street that he starts on, I, I wonder yeah, how I big know. the back lot is. I don't know. Like if that, like they're right here. Like I wonder if this street was on a location or if that was still the back lot. Yeah, I'd know. be curious. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say the back lot's pretty, pretty big. Yeah. But now he's unplugged on the other uh, end. On the bot, yeah, down on the ground. More drama. But look at that, like. That's, and you hear that, like, I loved, like, the, all the effects and the noise and the sound of the DeLorean it makes. Yeah. It just, I mean, it's, I know it sucks me right in. I mean, you're just glued to this this action. And, you know, he don't, he still don't know if he's going to make it. Yeah, and he, there he is still. It's like, like come Doc's on. Like, yeah, it's like, what are you doing? You're sta- <laughs> he's I remember coming. when I was a kid, I was like, come on. I know, I'd be yelling at the TV, I, even though I've seen it a hundred yeah. times. But it's like, because you know what happens, but it's like. Why is it? Because it feels like they're dragging this out forever. It literally, <laughs> this climax it, feels like it goes like 40 minutes. It does. It but does. it's really only like 10 or 12 minutes. But it feels like, yeah, it just Lasts draws. Forever. And I love this where he freaking <laughs> slides down that cable. And how he gr- doesn't get electrocuted yeah. here is beyond me. Blows my, here, we, here go. we are. There he is. Doc, he grabs that, and he grabs that other cable, puts them together, hooks them. Marty closes his eyes. Yeah, it and cl- here's strikes ten oh four. There's yep. the bolt of lightning, and right there, <laughs> the lightning bolt hits it, and the dis- the little orion yep. disappears. And Back real quick, one thing that I've always loved too was the the trail of fire that the the orion would yeah, leave. I they, love that. They said effect. that was hard to uh, hard to do a lot of times. Yeah, but. wouldn't they run like two like like they would throw down two wires or something, and they well, would throw gasoline and yeah, yeah. But it, they said it was hard, like to get it consistent. Yeah, it would and to shoot stay because yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be consistent. Now look at that. That's a. I love this image to a doc running in between it. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. We, we'll we'll fast forward to 1985 here, but this is kind of the opening to maybe part three, which is interesting because yeah. remember, beginning of part three goes back into part one as well. Yeah. So crazy. we'll get to those in the future, but or maybe yeah, in this, the past. I don't know. I like how he goes back into yeah. 1985. Here we go. Yeah, but yeah. You can see the you see some things broken about, concrete yeah. piece on clock tower, and we see a couple other things that have changed. Yeah, all of a sudden it's a little rough. Looking. Oh, really rough. Yeah, we got a homeless guy. California sleeping. raisins. They another uh, <laughs> yeah brand placement brand placement yeah. that they paid for was contracted for. But I've always wondered when when Marty sees this guy and he calls him Red. Do you remember w- what this character's from? I don't. Or no, might it might have been in part two, maybe. Yeah, or, I can't no, yeah, because Marty yells. He he says, "Oh, everything looks great," and he calls him this guy right by now? his name. Yeah, like we'll see it here coming up. Listen. All right. Look, Triple uh, X movies yeah. playing. And I he, mean, he, he doesn't. He, he looks over at him, and he, I thought he calls him by the name Red or something. One twenty-four. So I always wondered, like, where that, where he knew him from. Yeah, he hasn't noticed a whole lot change in here, but 
DeLorean's not working. Yeah. It's dead. And oh, there so, they go, yeah. the Libyans. Yeah, and he realizes this and he's like yep. Uh oh. Yeah. He's like, I gotta so get the I gotta DeLorean get there. there has a little bit of ice on it. It does, yeah. yeah. But yeah, here here we go. Back to the start close to the start of the movie. The right. Libyans are heading towards Twin Pine Mall. But as you see, it should say Lone Pine now. Let's see. Well, we see it say... Here's the sign we've seen before. Does it show it? Yep. Lone, Lone Pine, Pine Mall. Because Marty took out one of them trees yep. earlier when he oh, arrived in 1955. They already yeah. shot him. So this threw me off the first time I'd seen it. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what in yeah, the is going on? Why did they... Yep. Why in the world? And now he sees himself... Which was crazy to see yourself, yeah. you know, because he can't interfere because he has to go back to be able to get to where he is. See, that's yeah. what's crazy about time travel. It can really mess you up. Yeah. So now there they go. There's that chase scene. But now he's going to go check on Doc. Which, see. yeah, when I seen this, I'm like, what? Doc is dead? Because Doc's like, he's like the heart of the movie. Yeah. I think they end up so when he takes off, they crash into like yeah. an ATM. It's like a photo something. booth. Oh or, yeah, you're right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those old school, getting film developed. Yep, there it is. Boom. Boom. Film sale. Yep. Yeah. So now he goes and checks on him, but yeah, this is. I was thrown off too. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" I yeah. thought he was dead. Me too. I really did. Um, but he did read the note. He did, yeah. And Marty couldn't believe it because... <laughs> there he is. He's got a bulletproof vest see, on. Remember, as you see, Doc tears up that letter in a million pieces. Yeah. But then you see he taped it all back together Yeah. when he pulls it out here. And Marty just, he can't believe it. Yeah, this but, was this was really good. This was a great... Telling. Yeah, this was a great a- effect that changed the future for the... Po- I, it was a positive change. Yeah. To, to be able to, you know, save Doc in the future. I, I just, I love what Marty did. And then, you know, Marty said, you know, well, Doc, what about what, that thing you talk about on, you know, <laughs> yeah, changing the is. future and the past? And then Doc's like, well, I figured what the hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, it saved his life, that's for sure. Oh, it did. So yeah. now they're heading back home. Yeah, and I think it Dropping definitely um, made their, like, connection and their relationship stronger, you know? Because I think Marty kind of almost looks at him as a father figure. Yeah. So um, it's so it's still, like, one what one thirty in the morning then? Yeah. So he's dropping him off back at the house, going in to crash for the night. Right, yeah. And uh, here soon we'll see what he wakes up to. And Doc kind of tells him, yeah, I'm still going to go to the future about 30 years. Yep. So he's heading Marty. out of here. He's, yeah. He's heading to the future, not the past this time. Yep. So he takes off, and you can kind of see with the with the lights that start yep. flashing, he's out of here. He's out of, yeah, out of time. Yep. Or going there back. There he goes. Yep. 88 miles an hour into the future. Yeah. So Marty's like kind of right now thinking, all right, you know, I saved the day. I got back to the future, you know, well, the name of the movie, he got back to the future. <laughs> I think that's why yeah. the movie was called that, I guess. He got back to the future. You know, his parents got back together. So 10, saved- 1030 yep. in the morning then, huh? Yeah. Here we are back in 1985. 
Yeah, and this is kind of a reminiscent scene where Doc, you know, early in the film wakes him up and Marty's asleep like that on his bed. Yeah. Or when Doc originally tells him to meet him at the mall in the beginning of the film. Yeah. But uh, so now he's back in good old 1985. Yeah. He kind of comes out and stuff looks, looks a little different. Yeah. Something don't seem right. Yeah. And he knows it instantly. They have an entire different living room. Yep. On the nice I, side. Some, nice yeah, side. so <laughs> the uh, lamps that were in there, for some reason, remind me of lamps like we had when we were kids. Or, <laughs> yeah. like, not those, but the other ones that uh, were in the previous scene. But it's like, yeah, all these different... <laughs> all these different... Like nicer things yeah. that they have, because if you remember before, it was like his brother was working at a burger. Fast food yeah, restaurant. he had like a Burger King burger. uniform. Now his yeah. brother's in a now suit. He's in a suit. His sister's in a dress, and then look, at mom and dad are, are like all look, decked out. Well, they look kind of oh, younger and energized. Yeah, falls out of his chair. He's like, "What is going on? This is totally different." Yeah, and but what, what's weird is he's not changed. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else around him has changed, yeah. but he's kind of the same. Yeah, and I don't know, but I don't think there was would have been much to change of him, you know, because yeah, I think he he, he's pretty st- normal. he still had his confidence, and yeah, but but this was a great example of yeah changing the future for the better because yeah with Marty kind of instilling that more uh, awareness and more confidence in his dad george mcfly and i think george mcfly became nope. a better man because look there's biff's the table the table detailing the tables have turned now the bully and biff is actually waxing george's yeah. car the roles have reversed yeah he's uh in his beat up truck he's waxing george's bmw but yeah that's Definitely a change. And oh, yeah. And Marty's like, what? What? Yeah, because... I, don't, I think I don't, he likes it, though. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I think he... He knows he's had to have done something because here comes Biff coming in from so a package. So here's the thing. Here. So, yeah, he's talking about his first book. That, right. But how did he make his money before this? So he's like this acclaimed writer for... Exactly, this sci-fi uh, writer, yeah, author. This, this book, uh, that's his first book that he's written. But he's had to make money before. So it's like, how yeah. did he make all this money before to have a BMW? And exactly. I mean, Nice house and his son have... The Toyota pickup, the truck of his dreams. Yeah, but earlier we just missed it. But George, you know, gives that famous line to Marty. um, If you was he say, if you set your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. It's such a class. I love that line. I love because Marty, he was the whole reason that George has his confidence. You know, because he went back and made him a better. You know. Made yep. him a better man and so, helped him get that confidence. Here's his girlfriend again. Finally, yep. we see her again. From the beginning of the film where she... Yeah. yeah. Which they recreate this scene for part two. And yeah, with a different... different yeah, remember we mentioned? Yeah, yeah, Claudia didn't come back. Yeah. To play but the here's role Doc. of Jennifer. And He's then here back. we go, crashing into Marty's... Back from fresh, the future. Yeah. Looking with something crazy. Else, well, with something else on the back of the car, too. Yeah. The old the, Mr. Fusion. Yeah. Where... Doc kind of upgraded in the future. He's now 
fueling the DeLorean with trash of all things. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't need plutonium anymore. I, I rigged this up in 2015. Yep. Just throw a can of beer in there and some <laughs> banana peels and you're good to go. You're good to go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but this was a great, um, this was a kind of a neat, like, because what Bob Gellin's Zemeckis intended for this to be was a throwaway ending. Like, they had yeah. no, uh, they had no aspirations, no, no tendencies to make sequels. Nope. And Bob Gell always said that, you know, if, if we were planning on making a sequel, we never would have put the girl in the car. Yep. Because yeah, because that made it that made, made it a little more difficult. Yeah. Because so, yeah. they could have went anywhere, yep. honestly. But with throwing her in there, um, uh, they, they, the, the sequel had to be about their kids. Yeah. Because if she wasn't in there, shoot, Marty and Doc could have went, and they could have went anywhere. They could have went to the... Yep, and there we have it, the DeLorean out of time. Yeah. And then and that classic second Huey Lewis song, Back in Time, playing over the credits. I love, this is a great song, too. Yeah, it is good. And a lot of the, like, what they, I don't believe they played in the theater, which they do show in a lot of the releases, is to be continued, right? Yes, you're right. So, yeah, in the theaters, yeah, they never uh, added that tagline, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was in the the physical releases. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then obviously they knew after part two they were gonna make the part three. So I think they did put to be continued in the in the part two. Yeah. So definitely a definitely a good film here, and oh. one I know we've been wanting to do for a long time. Yeah. I, I just think the Back to the Future trilogy, especially part one, and the story that they built there, and what they're going to build on with part two and three, and and we'll do a oh yeah future future season episode of yeah. part two and we part have three. To, yeah. yeah, there's so commentary. much more to talk about with these films. But um, uh, gosh dang, this uh, two hours has flown by. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, talking about such a great film. Well, it's crazy. Like anytime you'd ever watch it, just like by yourself or whatever. Um, you know, yeah, it seems like it. You know plays a lot longer but sitting here today you know uh just talking through it you know with another Flew huge by. fan yeah it just flies right by yeah um but it is action-packed um i mean don't get me wrong there was a lot of great action films to come out in the 80s and since then but none had this had the essence and this charm that back to the future does yep i yeah. mean it was just a once-in-a-lifetime film yeah, it's really a generational film. Like, I mean, your kids absolutely love it. I mean, it's going to continue on. To, and, and I'll tell you what, what I love, Bob Gale said it best in an interview. He said, as long as him and Zemeckis is, is alive, there will never be a remake or a reboot. And I hope that after they're long gone, I hope that stays true. Yeah, because so many what so many franchises get ruined with reboots and remakes. Yeah, and I don't think you could make it. I so thinking about that. From 1955 to 1985, think of our time. So let's let's imagine if they did reboot it yeah. or remake it and try to do it in current times. You're how would you even do that? It was such a period piece. Oh yeah, I think. And the time change from 1955 to 85 was just so drastic. Thirty years now, I know our technologies change a lot, but. I don't think you can recreate this film. No, yeah, and even if they, like, would somehow do a remake and put it in this same time period, it's just, it, it it's not the same. No, it, it, it's it not. The characters are what made it. 
The, Which the actors and actresses, yeah, correct. Their and performances are just, just uncanny. Like the the. There's no way to duplicate that. So and. The vehicle, which we've talked about before, a lot of these oh, yeah. classic films and the vehicles yeah. that they use. Back to the Future was made with the characters, with the DeLorean, and just the atmosphere that I think Steven Spielberg and yeah. utilizing the universe a lot and just really building well, an atmosphere that feels like the '80s and feels yeah. like the night or feels like the '50s is just and, remarkable. And probably the biggest thing for me is you're hearing it right now: the music. This is yeah. the Greatest soundtrack of all time ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, I don't. I never want to see a remake or a reboot. No, I think it's uh, stands stands the test of time. It does. And watching it here in 2022, um, it it's very fitting. Yeah. For now, it's just such a classic film, and I and, think one that goes down in the record books as and it, one of the best time travel films yeah, ever made. And it ages so well. Yep. So there you have it. Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Here's our commentary of Back to the Future Part 1 for and our summer electric entertainment block party series. But as we said, to be continued. That's right. So if you haven't checked us out on our social media pages, hop on over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Check us out on Letterboxd. I'm sure you will see some letterbox reviews in the future yeah for back to the future definitely um the and if you haven't subscribed yet to electric entertainment give us the subscribe that way you get all the latest content that comes right to you as soon as we drop it and like we always say we drop a lot of content on a regular basis so as we look to wind down on the summer months we're going to look to wind up on the fall so stay tuned for a little bit of a sneak peek of what is to come for the fall block party of Electric Entertainment. So until next time, we'll catch you on the next episode of Electric Entertainment. Peace out.